Hey there, welcome to the What Connects podcast, where we explore human connection with people in Saskatchewan. Today we're chatting with Mark Johnson about what his substance abuse addiction cost him and how he was able to find and maintain sobriety. It's an impactful episode, so let's get into it. All right, welcome to season five, episode three of the What Connects Us podcast. Brandy and Alex have kicked off this season with a bang with two super impactful episodes. And now we're jumping into a story from someone you'll likely recognize if you've ever been to a Ryder game or if you listen to Play 92.1 on Regina Radio. We're chatting with a good friend of mine, Mark Johnson, about a story that is very deeply personal to him. Mark has just celebrated his sixth anniversary of being sober from his alcohol and cocaine addiction. He's going to give us a glimpse into what life was like while battling substance abuse, what addiction cost, and how it almost cost him everything. He's also going to talk about how he was able to get sober and reinvent himself, and finally, the lessons he's learned along the way while he's maintained his sobriety. In season two of the podcast, you might remember this, we interviewed Kira Novak about her struggle with alcohol addiction, but these stories are very different, as Mark and Kira took two very separate journeys to recovery, Mark also had a cocaine addiction, and Kira and Mark are in very different stages of their recovery as Mark has had some time to reflect on both his addiction and his sobriety journey so far. Plus, one of my absolutely favorite moments we've ever had on the podcast happens in this episode. I don't want to spoil it, but there are a few happy tears involved. So let's get to it. What connects us to Mark? Let's find out. Mark Johnson, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, man. I feel like uh, Paul Rudd in the Hot Ones. Oh yes, yeah. Look I don't. Us. I don't have any chicken chicken wings for you. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> look at us. Who'd have thought? Who would have, who would have thought? Yeah. Too bad you don't have chicken wings. You're right, right, right. I'll do it with the water. Yeah. So it's Valentine's Day today. We're recording on Valentine's Day. Big plans for the Hallmark holiday? No. No. I took Casey a, a cinnamon bun earlier. Cute. Got her a card. Yeah. Said I'll take you for a couple's massage. That's it. Nice. No supper, nothing planned tonight. Love that. Right I don't on. I don't like uh Valentine's Day. It's hype. it's overhyped. Oh, totally. Mind. Yeah, especially as a single person. Like I'll order like a heart shaped pizza for myself tonight, spend it with my cat. That's about it. Maybe cry into maybe, it. <laughs> maybe cry into my my pepperoni heart shaped pizza. It'll be delicious though. Oh, for sure. Well, thanks for spending um yeah, some time. I'm super excited to have this conversation. Me I'm, too. You're a good friend of mine, so this is something that I'm familiar with, but I think there's gonna be so many different key learnings that others can take from this. And I I'm just so thankful that uh you're courageous enough to tell this story. Well, I appreciate you inviting me. Yeah, you bet. So let's just jump in with a quick introduction. Who is Mark Johnson? Give me some background on who you are so we can understand your story. So grew up here in Regina, went to uh, elementary school at Henry Jansen, Mm -hmm. two-time volleyball city champ. Wow. Check the the banners if you're ever at Henry Jansen in the North End. Congratulations. Thank you. Huge. Many years ago, but I'll still take the congratulations. (laughs) Uh, Then went to high school at Winston Knoll. I grew up with an older sister. My parents um, both retired now, but my dad was a lawyer. Mm. My mom worked for the government for many years. She's also retired. Uh, My sister is now living in Kipling on a farm. Okay. She's a cattle rancher. I used to have some cows actually, sold sold my five that I had. Really? Oh, I thought I was going to earn me a lot of money. <laughs> turns it turns out that was not the case. You need more than five to earn some money on cattle. How long did you have them for before you're like, you know, I'm selling them in. I want a PlayStation 5. Let's go. Please. <laughs> That's what I should have done with it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, a few years, I would say. It started off with just a percentage of one cow yeah. and then worked up to five at one oh, point. Oh, conglomerate. Wow. A herd, is, a how herd. I, is how I like to call it, but <laughs> people laughed at me when I said that, but I think five's a herd. Yeah. So... 
Yeah, she's living out on a farm now. Uh, we grew up, uh, we both played a lot of sports. Like I played hockey growing up, still play once in a while, not as good as I once was. Right. Uh, baseball, lacrosse, um, great upbringing. Did you keep with volleyball after being a two-time city champion? A little bit, but uh, no, gave that up Yeah, few years Retired ago. on top, hey? Re- reti- <laughs> retired on top, yeah. So still play hockey, though, still play ball, still golf, still quite active. Mm-hmm. Uh, my day job is the morning show host on Play 92. Yep. Um, also do the rider in-game hosting. Mm-hmm. Hopefully be back for this upcoming season. Yep. Don't know yet, but hopefully be back. So like to keep myself busy with, with that and then... Girlfriend, cat, new house, lots going on. Love that. I didn't even realize that we have two in-game stadium hosts here. Look at us. Look Back at us. to the Paul Rudd <laughs> thing. Look, look at us. Who'd have thought? <laughs> um, awesome. So tell me, you t- mentioned a little bit about life growing up, but tell me a little bit about um, what it was like growing up for you and kind of how that played into your story or anything we need to know for that background information. It was a great upbringing. It was, it was uh, you know, we were always able to play the sports that we wanted to play. Didn't have to worry about where our next meal was coming from, that kind of thing. Two uh, great parents, they ended up splitting up. I think I was 17 when they, like, officially split up. Um, but, no, it was a, it was a great upbringing, mm-hmm. and, yeah, it was, it was good. Gotcha. So our story today is going to be um, how you're surviving sub- substance abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've heard you say before... I remember the first time I got drunk. Mm-hmm. I knew that I drank differently than anybody else. Take me to that moment and tell me what that means a little bit. So, yeah, the first time that I got drunk, it, it was uh, in a park in Lake Ridge and we had uh, Molson cold shots. Remember those? Yeah. yeah. Those quick ones. I think, yeah. Do you, was there four in a case maybe or something? <laughs> and me and a buddy split them and, yeah. and got wasted. Um, but, yeah, early on I knew that I – I think more so looking back, maybe I should say that I knew I drank different than, than everyone else because it was, for me, it was like when I, when I started, I couldn't stop. It was binging, right? It right. wasn't like I was needing to drink every day of the week, but when I started to drink, I didn't know when to stop. Right. You know, I couldn't stop from the time that, you know, I started drinking at 15 until the time I stopped at 25. I just had no self-control. And it's, yeah. it's funny now that, I understand that a little more. I see that in other aspects of my life as well. Like even when it comes to eating candy, it's like I open up a bag of candy and I will not stop until that bag of candy is done. Right. And I know when I start eating it that I'm going to feel terrible when I'm done it. Yeah. But that doesn't stop me. And it was the same thing with alcohol. It's like I I know that this isn't going to end well. Right. I'm like, it's in front of me. Why am I just going to let it sit there? I'm going to totally, I'm going to drink it until it's gone. Right. And so you hear so many different definitions of, um, alcoholism or mm-hmm. what, what is an alcoholic? We had Karen Novak in here mm-hmm. and she, her, her experience with alcoholism was that it was like an impulse control. It was like, she, I think she said that it was like a light switch mm-hmm. that, that, or not necessarily a light switch, a switch that would like was broken. Like she couldn't turn it off. Yeah. The moment that her mind said, I'm going to drink, she couldn't like turn that impulse control off. Was yours similar or was it like the moment you did start, like you can control it, but the moment you started, then it was like, you can't turn it off. Yeah. I would say it was like hers where it's like, I, I feel like I would hit a, hit a point. Like I, I guess I could have like a beer or two, but then when I got to that point of like three, four beers, it yeah. was then just like, yeah, the switch was broken. Like you said, yeah. and then it was just go, go, go until I couldn't, 
function. Right. And then I'm sure we'll get into it later, but then when, when drugs were introduced as well, it was the exact same thing. Yeah. So was this like throughout the week as well, or is this like a weekend, like you are going out with friends and then it kind of triggers it to, to really ramp up? It was mostly, yeah, weekends. And I think that's the thing that people may not understand, right? There's that like stigma around alcoholism and alcoholics. And a lot of people think, oh, it's, you know, someone walking around downtown that has a brown paper bag. Yeah. That's not the case. You can be an alcoholic and just be a binge drinker, right? right. Where it's Friday, Saturday, and it's just go until you you can't go anymore, totally, right? Yeah. And I, I think that people don't understand that. And, and I think that people also, when you're younger, they, they don't think that maybe it's a problem like you mm-hmm. see a lot of kind of older people and even AA meetings and stuff like that it's like oh I'm young it's just kind of what we're supposed to do when we're young and that's just yeah. it's almost glorified right like and it 100% is and it's funny you say that because I've I brought this up before where and I'm gonna kind of sound like a bit of a, a Debbie Downer here yeah. just like a Karen if you will <laughs> but uh if you see sports teams win championships they always media always focuses on that like one person that's partying so hard for yep. seven days after they win the championship yep. alexander ovechkin when they won the stanley cup yeah when tampa bay won the stanley cup last year is pat maroon yep. right they just focus on these guys and it's glorifying it. same with tom brady like yeah. that's where and that when that was like oh he's human he's mm-hmm. look how drunk he is on a boat throwing the the lombardi trophy across exactly so it's almost like you want to view people as like a cartoon character because it makes them likable when they're on that sort of level. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and it kind of ties into just our society revolving around alcohol as well, right? You think win a championship drink, yeah. birthday drink, job promotion drink, anniversary, yeah. Valentine's Day, let's go out for a nice supper and get a bottle of wine totally. or whatever, right? Like it's just so much of it society revolves around alcohol and on the opposite side too hard day at work drink somebody goes through a breakup let's grab a drink like it is it is so ingrained into how we how we interact as humans i know so then when you're trying to get sober for people trying to get sober it's quite difficult because Mm -hmm. then kind of what do you do right do you you know if you uh, you know especially in the early parts of it when for me i couldn't be around it so i was trying to keep myself out of situations where I'd be around it. Well, what yeah. am I going to do then? It's yeah. literally, you go watch the Super Bowl. It's there. You, you yeah. know, you go bowling. It's there. It's just so hard to get away from it. And if you watch the Super Bowl commercials, it is like, <laughs> it hits you at all angles. Booze, booze, <laughs> yeah. booze. So did you find that you craved it like during the week or was it more so like, um, it was like the moment, like the weekend started. Yeah, I think it was more so that when the weekend started, I knew it's like, all right, it's the weekend. This yeah. is what we do on the weekend, right? right. And I, I don't think it's that I didn't didn't crave it. And it's not like I didn't drink sometimes during the week where it didn't turn into that situation. Yeah. Um, but it was definitely like weekend, Friday, a switch goes and it's like, all right, it's totally. go time until... Sunday and then you're not going to feel very good Sunday, probably Monday and maybe even Tuesday, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. So I've heard you also talk about how you thought that you had to drink to be like the life of the party Mm -hmm. and that was like expected of you. So when you look back now, where would you pinpoint the first moments of of this destructive behavior and the warning signs that um, signal that this may be like a dangerous path for you? Mm. Uh 
you know, th- there were many things that happened that probably should have made me go, oh, yeah, this is pretty destructive behavior, right? I think one that at the time it was just everyone was laughing and it was it was funny, but out at Craven, I don't know what year it was, but we were walking down a, a street at Craven and there was a vehicle behind us honking and kept honking. It wanted us obviously to get out of the way because we we're just walking in the middle of the street. Yeah. And it ended up being the police and oh. they jumped out of their vehicle and I said some not so nice things as they were getting out and they end up handcuffing me, putting me in the back of the uh, truck, taking me to Lumsden. And I ended up spending 12 hours uh, in Lumsden like and in, it, the, in, in the in drunk tank. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And it's like that, that's something that when you're, when I was in my early twenties, it's like, Oh, ha 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 kind of thing. But it's like, that's yeah. not normal or that's not funny. Right. Yeah. That's, that's getting yourself in a situation that you don't want to be in. So looking back now, you say like, this is not funny. Like when you were in the drunk tank, what was going through your mind? Were you like proud of this or like, what did you, what was going through your mind back then? Yeah, definitely wasn't, I don't, I wasn't feeling shame. That's for sure. It was more so like, oh, this is like a badge of honor. I'm going (laughs) to go back to Craven and my buddies are going to be out there and we're going to laugh at it, which we did. Right. Um, but yeah, now looking back, it's like, no, that's not a badge of honor. No, that wasn't cool. Like yeah. that that could have been it could have been worse or you know you know what I mean? It's just and not only that situation, but yeah, there were so many situations that that made me um now looking back, but not at the time, be like, why like that was mm-hmm. just that that wasn't it wasn't normal behavior, but you almost justify it, right? Totally. Like, oh you're just it was just you were being young and drunk and like when you're that age you all you want to do is like fit in have friends Mm -hmm. have stories told about you and what happens is those stories are usually like like how you were the life of the party or so you it's easy to see how you can kind of tie your identity towards that behavior and feeling like you needed to do different things like this yeah and i saw like you see people that maybe are a bit older than you and they're like man it just seems like they're the life of the party like that's what i want to be and then you think that you're the life of the party but then later you realize like people say stuff and you're like oh man i wasn't really Mm -hmm. i wasn't the life of the party i think more so people would like see me and say like oh my god let's go yeah. Let's go the other way rather than have to like interact with me just because of the, the shape that I was in after, totally. you know, having several drinks or whatever it may have been. For sure. So tell me some other stories of, of warning signals or behavior that was a little scary when you're under the influence. Uh, one, I went to a friend's wedding and I, it was, I got there late because I'd been working. So get there. And on my way out there, I message a buddy being like, hey, have three shots ready for me and a beer kind of thing. So I get up there or I get there and I try to play catch up, which yeah. wasn't ideal. <clears throat> and I, uh, I end up blacking out and then I wake up on the floor of this house mm. and I look around. I'm like, okay, no one's here. I've got to be here for a reason. Like I, yeah. I have to know whose house I'm in. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't just come in here, right? <laughs> so I'm I'm laying in my suit, like face down on the kitchen floor with mm. my legs kind of hanging, you know, at houses they have like their back landing where there's two stairs and then yep. out the door. Yeah. My legs are hanging over the two stairs. Oh, so gosh. I'm kind of like half into the kitchen, half like not. Yeah. So I get up and it's pretty early and I'm still kind of foggy. So 
Like, all right, well, I, again, no, I think I know who's, whose house this is. I have to. So I get up and go into the bedroom and get under the blankets and pull the blankets up and fall asleep. And then I wake up a few hours later feeling a little more clear-headed. And I think, okay, I still don't know whose place this is. So let's see if we can get to the bottom of it. But you like Goldilocks the place? You're just like, I don't know where I am, but I'm going to sleep in yeah. the bed now. Oh, yeah. Well, I needed a more comfy place to sleep than the kitchen floor in my suit. So I'm pretty sure I took my suit off. Like I get <laughs> made some pot of coffee. Yeah, like yeah. made myself right at home, right? And I, yeah, I get, I get up from the bed and I'm looking around. And again, no one's there. And I see a, some, some mail. So I grab the mail and I look. That doesn't that doesn't oh, look no. familiar. So then I don't have my like phone, wallet, like I don't have anything. So yeah. Like, okay, well, let's put my shoes on and exit the place and let's yeah. see where I am, kind of thing. And I figure out where I am and I start walking and then I actually end up seeing I'm walking and end up seeing someone I know. So they pick me up and I say, Hey, can I borrow your phone? I need to call my phone. I, I call my phone and the person that answers says, Yeah, th- I have your phone, like go home, I'll give you my address, and then you can come pick it up later. So I yeah. go home and get her address, type her address into Google, and her house is here, and the house that I ended up in was right next door. Oh, wow. So I just ended up, so I took a cab ride with the people that had my phone, but then I didn't have a wallet, so I think the cab driver was like, get out, and I thought that I was going into their yeah. house, who I shared the cab with, and I went into some... Random. Complete stranger's home. Complete stranger. Yeah. Passed out on their kitchen. Yeah. Slept in their bed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then exited. And they... To this day, to they this probably day. have no idea. No. <laughs> so it's like, that's like, yeah, right? It's like, that right there should have been like, all right, man, you're done. That's, yeah. This is not normal, right? Yeah. But instead, you probably went home, texted your friends, and said, you'll never guess what happened to Oh, me. Yeah. yeah. And then you kind of laugh at it. And it's like, that could have been breaking and entering whatever, Exactly. Right? Yep. Yep. Yeah, it's scary. So if one addiction wasn't tough enough, you started experimenting with cocaine when you were 21. Tell me about this. So yeah, I started uh, experimenting with drugs, and it was, it was cocaine, and um, started at 21. And then that just kind of spiraled into you know, using once in a while and then, you know, every weekend and then, you know, started getting into weekdays. Um, and again, it was the same kind of thing, like I said to you with the, with the alcohol and now with candy or ice cream or whatever it may be, it's Mm -hmm. just, I couldn't stop. If, if it was in front of me, I was doing it until it was gone and then trying to figure out like, Oh, how are we going to get some more? Right. It was just, that's how, that's how I'm wired. And so, what was the first time like? Like I, you were in Mexico, right? Mm, no, the first time I was in a Cinnaboy, actually. Okay. Yeah, but Mexico was near that time. Okay. Um, yeah, like the first time, it wasn't anything like crazy that I can remember. But that yeah. time in Mexico, it's like something that um, I'll never forget. It's like a high that you're just like, oh my. Yeah. Oh my God. And even thinking back to it now, it's like, oh, yeah, it's like something that I'll never forget. And even, even talking about it. Cause even sometimes people will ask me if I miss it and I'm like, well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What, what is the difference between like the difference of um, experiences or the different highs or um, with cocaine compared to like, like alcohol? Well, cocaine just makes you feel like a million bucks. Does it? <laughs> yeah. 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 Like it, it, the one in Mexico, it's like, 
um, the one that I remember so vividly, it's like did some, and then we walked out of the room and went down to watch the show or whatever it was. Yeah. And walking down there, it's like you felt like you could hear the background music playing in like a f- movie, right? And yeah. they're doing, you're, it's like slow-mo, you're walking and the camera's like following you and you just feel like you're- <laughs> Like Baywatch? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or like, have you seen the movie Flight with Denzel Washington? No, I haven't. Okay. Well, yeah. the opening scene is that he's walking through a hallway in a hotel and it's similar to that where you just feel, makes you feel good. It makes you f- forget if you're dealing with this or that. It's yeah. just like, makes you feel good. And I think that's obviously how people get, hook to it right right and it's such a high high but then also a very low low so are there any difference between the the addiction side with alcohol and cocaine mm. for me no no i would say it was it was the same and w- when i started doing cocaine at, at 21 it was a certain like i mentioned earlier it was like when when i had like that two or three drink when i hit that range yep. That's when it also, the switch was like, okay, let's get some cocaine too then. And gotcha. that's, and then it was like all night doing both yeah. until it was gone. Gotcha. So did you do cocaine during the week as well? I, or was near it? The, yeah. Near the end, it started getting into the weekday, mm-hmm. which again, I don't know how I justified doing that. Mm-hmm. Cause I mean, doing it every weekend is not good doing it in general is not good right but it's just oh it's a weekend and oh it's just once in a while during the week and always always justifying the use and then kind of surrounding yourself with people that are doing it like you're doing it so you can justify it yeah so you would wait to do cocaine with other people as well or was it like would you do that one by yourself i would do it by myself yeah but mostly it was with other people gotcha yeah um what do you remember thinking like when you're by yourself or anything like that? Like, why am I doing this by myself or anything like that? Or was this, did this become so normal to you? No, uh, during that, like 2015, I stopped in December of 2015. Mm-hmm. And a lot that year would be me saying, why am I, why am I doing this? It's, mm-hmm making things a lot worse than it is making it better right right um because at that time's dealing with a breakup you would just sit there and be like this isn't like you know even if you were with someone if i was with someone else doing it this yeah. isn't this isn't helping right making it worse yeah so when you're sober you're like heartbroken mm-hmm. you're depressed you have all of these horrible feelings so it's like your mind connects well when do i feel best well it's when exactly it's yeah like i said when you're feeling good, you're feeling really good. But then when you come down, you're feeling just so bad. And yeah. I've said this before that I was just feeling so bad, so alone, which I wasn't alone, but I was just feeling so alone that when I was in my basement a lot, I would have the TV on in my bedroom and then the TV on in the living room. And then when I had to walk out to go to the bathroom, at least I had the TV oh. there to like hear something. Right. Yeah. It was. And at the time, you don't really, I don't know. I didn't, think about it as much as I do now looking back and just analyzing everything. And obviously I was not in a good place and I knew that at the time, but really not in a good place. Totally. It's like, you're afraid to be isolated that Mm -hmm. moment, but then you start in taking more booze and, and cocaine. And then you do things that pushes people away and Mm -hmm. it, and it almost becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm -hmm. So, um, you've called cocaine a rich man's drug. 
Helping. Not me. That's that's just in general. People okay, call I have it heard that. you say that. Say that. Okay, yeah, yeah. it's not my term. <laughs> sure. Yeah. No plagiarism on. Yeah, on yeah, this. yeah. Yeah. Someone's got that TM. <laughs> <laughs> so help me quantify what that cost of addiction looks like. Break down the costs that come with it, because I have no idea how much it would cost. I don't even know how to ballpark it. Let's say, yeah, if you're going out on a night and if you get a gram, say that's eighty dollars, and that's going to last you. For me, last me thirty minutes, kind of thing, really? or an hour. Yeah, maybe it's been so long, so maybe I'm under, undershooting it. But it wouldn't last you very long, so it can add up so quickly. Mm-hmm. And then you put booze on top of that, and you're going out, and you're, you know, every Friday, Saturday, that adds up so, so quickly. Yeah, and you just all you want to do is get more, so your finances don't matter. You're just like I'm gonna try to get it any way I can. Yeah. So 80 grams or one, one gram oh, for sorry. 80 bucks. Yeah. One gram for 80 bucks. How many grams a night would you do? Like on a good night because then it would turn into morning. Yeah. At least a couple, if not a few, like three maybe. Right. So yeah. that's like 240 bucks yeah, that- just on the cocaine, not even factoring the booze side. And then depending on how much you're drinking that night, like that can get, expensive and if that's just one night one of seven days week knowing that like weekend it would be a little bit more than Mm -hmm. your weekday yeah it it adds up right and now now that i don't do that it's like oh cool i have money to spend elsewhere which is nice how are you funding that like was did you have a job at this time or what was your lifestyle outside like your nine to five yeah i would have been bartending at that time um, throughout a lot of it. So that, that lifestyle also, right? You're yeah. around it all the time. Your hours are, are crazy. You get tips. So you always have cash in your pocket. And then yeah. if you do stay up late, you don't have to get up all that early. And that's, that's how I would have been funding it. Yeah. yeah. Did you have to do like anything crazy, like, like steal and sell something or like take out a loan or something in order to cover this or this, this just your nine to five. Yeah. Nothing, nothing like that. Although, uh, I've told the story before where my dad had, I think it was four watches at home and a few of them went missing and he thought that I took them and that, and, and still it hurt, like it hurts that your dad would think that you would do that to pay for drugs, booze, yeah. whatever it was. And I still to this day say no, I, and he's never brought it up again, right? right? And I think he believes that I didn't do it, but yeah. I, I didn't do it. I would say, yeah, yeah, I did. Especially at this time now, when I'm six years into sobriety, I would say, yeah, listen, I did do it. Totally, but I didn't. So then, that also makes you wonder about what other people thought about me during that time. Yeah, like if my own dad thinks I could do that, then what are other people thinking? Yeah, um, and that. I don't want people thinking that I'm this drunk cokehead, right? Totally. Which has been said about me before. And now, again, six years into it, I don't think that's the case anymore. Hopefully isn't the case anymore. (laughs) But when you hear that, you don't want people to think that's the person you are. I thought that I was the life of the party and all the girls love me, not the case. (laughs) (laughs) And it's true, like, especially when there's TV shows like Ozark and Breaking Bad and you see people going to extreme lengths in order to do this sort of stuff. It makes sense why people would have those assumptions about you as well. Mm Mm-hmm. So what was the impact on your loved ones as you started to progress down your addiction journey? I think quite concerning for for my parents. I think always my my parents 
knew that I drank differently and always had concern when I would go out and stay out. And I think it uh, definitely, uh, you know, affected the relationships, I think, with my sister as well. But I think now that I'm six years into sobriety, I think there's nothing there anymore. It's all just this is the person they see me as and they're proud. And anything that did happen in the past is now in the past. And that isn't who I am now. That was who I was, but it was who I was because of alcohol and drugs. Yeah. So did your parents or your sister or any loved ones like ever try to sit you down to have a conversation about it or? Yeah. Yeah. My mom would always say different things about, you know, how much I was drinking. I would always just brush it off. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever, right? I'm just having fun, I think yeah. was always a thing that you would say, right? Yeah. Um, like the the one that sucks too is my sister got married and at her wedding I'm asking people there if they had Coke. It's like what Oh really? Yeah, it's like yeah. what are you doing, man? Like you're you're at your sister's wedding and that's what you're gonna do at your sister's wedding. That's mm-hmm. and did that impact your your relationship with your sister? No, I don't think so. Yeah. No, because then what ended up happening, I think is a cousin said something to my dad and then my dad ended up saying something to me mm. I think about uh, about it and that would have been in 2015 when I was and that would have been September of 2015 so near the end yeah so I think that's almost good it, good in a sense that I was doing that because then my dad did I think get a little more serious with me and have a more serious conversation yeah at that time and were you before this moment like aware that you were having tendencies of being an, an, an addict in, in a couple of different ways or, um, I, I think, I think it was, I don't necessarily think that I think I was an addict. I think it was more so I was thinking, Oh, I have a problem, mm-hmm. but an addict or an alcoholic. No, yeah. no. Right. Yeah. But I knew because at the start of that year, relationship ended because of booze and drugs. Oh, okay. So the relationship ends and then I know, okay, I got to get, get it together, right? I can't let another relationship end. Even though I had a million things before that should have made me go, oh, you probably should yeah, stop this. Yeah, Sleeping on someone's floor and then in their bed, that's probably something that yeah. you, know, you should stop, right? <laughs> yeah. But it was that relationship that ended and then I thought, well, obviously it's a problem. Mm-hmm. So I got to figure this problem out. And then I would try to, okay, only have this many drinks or only do Coke, you know, this many times yeah. or whatever. Yeah. But then it was going to an AA meeting that made me realize just hearing everyone share stories that, Mm -hmm. oh my God, I'm exactly like every one of these people here. Right. Right. And even, but it's funny because even still to this day, calling myself an alcoholic, I'm like, well, no, I really, was Mm. it really that bad? I'm still trying to justify it. Yeah. You know, and you almost do the comparison thing. Well, this you know, this person lost their house because of it and this yeah. or that. It's, well, no, like this is, this is my own thing and everyone is going to be different, right? Yeah. So you don't have to try to justify and say, oh, my rock bottom wasn't as bad as this person's rock bottom. No, you know when you hit rock bottom. Yeah, yeah. And, and just because you almost caught yourself sooner before you went down that path doesn't mean you're on your way there and somebody else who is in that AA meeting is telling all these stories they might just not have caught it around the same time you did. Right. And I'm glad I caught it when I was 25 years old. Yeah. Cause I, I imagine if I was still doing that now at 32, yeah. I wouldn't be sitting here with you. I yeah. wouldn't, you know, have 
the house that I have with the girlfriend that I have and the cat and the job and this and yep. that and friends like you, I just, I wouldn't. Right. Right. Yeah. So I'm glad that I caught it at 25 because some people go all until their sixties or seventies yeah. or whatever it may be. And finally you think, Oh my God. And, and then it clicks. Totally. And I'm yep. glad it clicked now because I didn't want to lose the career that I have, which I love, you know, so yeah. many different things. For sure. So let's talk about 2015. We're kind of, we're kind of in there at the mm -hmm. moment. Um, it took you a few tries to quit. Yeah. And tell me about trying to quit on your own and, and why it wasn't successful. Cause alcohol is a powerful thing as is, as is drugs, yeah. right? As our drugs. So you try to say, well, I'm going to just, you know, have a couple of drinks tonight or, you know, you try to do it yourself and it's just not, it's, it's not going to work. You need people there to support you and hold you accountable as well. And at the same time, you really need to get serious about quitting too, which I think at the start of 2015, I, I think I was, but not as serious as I was mm -hmm. as the year went on and as I had a worse and worse year. So yeah. you need those people there to hold you accountable and you need different things like AA meetings, which I, I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of them. I don't yep. go anymore, okay. but they helped me at the time that they needed to, which is right. the most important thing, right? Yep. Now they don't serve a purpose for me and now I don't go, but someone else might want to go and it might serve a purpose for them, which is fantastic. Yeah. Me, I go to, I go to a counselor, whatever, talk with people like this is great for me to be able to talk about it like this too. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like AA serves. Kira talked about how she had this feeling of terminal uniqueness where she felt like her situation was so far gone that, and her problem was separate than everybody else's problem. Yeah. She was like an extreme case yeah. and she was not, she wasn't able to be saved. Whereas like then you go to AA or a rehab treatment facility or things like that. And you realize that people are in your shoes and you can learn from each other. And these shared experiences are, are so important. Yeah. Is, is that kind of how you felt when you went to AA? Yeah. Because you want to see, yeah, you want to hear stories of other people and yeah, you're like, Oh, then yeah, my, my, what, what I'm going through isn't just what I'm going through. Cause I think all of us can get in that situation where whatever we're dealing with, it feels like it's just us dealing with it. Yeah. Right. We just get in our own heads and we think like, oh, this is just a me thing. Totally. So for that, and, and the one reason why I wasn't a huge fan of AA is because I looked around and even though I related to all of them, which was great, they were all much older than me. So yeah. I kind of want to be able to talk with like Kira and, and someone my age, right? Yeah. And I think that's why it's so important for people like her. And I'm happy to come on here and do this too, because people then see if you're 25, 21, 32, whatever it may be, yeah. there are people our age that are getting sober and you don't have to wait until you're in your 50s, 60s, whatever. For sure. Take me to your first steps, the, the beginning of the journey that you're on now in recovery um, at the end of 2015. Tell me about putting down the bottle, no more cocaine. How did this process begin? Uh, so... December 28th, I had my last drink, Ryan Ginger. Yeah. Which is good. <laughs> <laughs> Remember exactly where I was and right. yeah, it was good. And then the next day it was almost just like, okay, hey, this is, this is it. Mm -hmm. I'm doing it now. I've said it before. I'm like, this was a brutal time to stop. December 29th, you got you know, the New holidays, yeah. New Year's coming up, all that. Yeah. But I was determined then, I don't know what it was, but I was determined then this is it. 
And that's kind of what happened to me when I came out, though. Like, I came out on December 31st. Oh, did you? Yeah, it's like the it? end of a chapter. Y- yes. January 1st is I am starting fresh and I am taking control of this narrative. And I think for, yeah, exactly. And maybe that's why it was like December 29th because I don't want to do it on like a New Year's resolution kind yeah. of thing. So yeah, you start a little early and and then went to a New Year's party, but I went to a New Year's party that I knew there wasn't going to be much drinking at. Right. Did that and just tried AA and went to some AA meetings and just talked with a bunch of other people. Um, a, a friend, Pete, who's been sober for I don't know how many years, but chatted with him about it too. Just talked to as many people as I could and, mm-hmm. and listened and went to, you know, counselor and still do that. And, mm-hmm. um, just had coffees with different people and, um, just hear again, what works for people because then you can take some of that and, and work it into what you're trying to do. And again, if it doesn't work for you, then it doesn't. Totally. And then if it does great, keep doing it. Yeah. It's almost like whether it's a treatment facility, whether it is AA meetings, whether it is having conversations, whether it's mm-hmm. going to a counselor, it's almost like school, right? Where some people learn best from going to a classroom setting. Mm-hmm. Some people would like to take the textbooks home and read it that way. We all interpret and relate to and take our next steps based on so many different sources. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So did you know your last drink was your last drink? Well, I knew, yeah. So I knew that time I wanted it to be my last drink. Yeah. But I don't think, I don't think I could tell at that time that it was going to be now six years later and I was still going to be sober. Yeah. But man, am I, I'm glad that was my last drink. But back to, do I miss it? Yes, of course. And those temptations are always there. That's the problem too, is even though I've been sober for six years, those temptations are always going to be there. And that can be tricky sometimes, even over Christmas, we had people over and there was booze there, which I'm fine with. But then after a while I was opening the fridge and that booze was still in there. Mm -hmm. And it's so you test yourself like, okay, I'm seeing it every day now. But then those thoughts come in. I could have a drink and no one would know and this and that. So then I text Casey or just say to her like, Hey, can you take these out of the fridge? And of course she's like, yeah. And gets rid of them. And then that temptation isn't there. And that temptation is going to be there with me for the rest of my life. Yeah. And I think that can kind of be a scary thing too. And that's something that that's why talking with other people is important and seeing what they do to kind of calm that voice down and drown that voice out a little bit. Yeah. Normalize it, Mm -hmm. remove that terminal uniqueness for sure. So is that temptation still like just as strong as it was from that first couple of days or? I would say it was stronger then than it is now. I would say the voice isn't or it was a 10 kind of thing. Now yeah. it's not a 10, but it's definitely still there. But rather than it being a 10, it's a little quieter. And now there's a voice on the other side that's saying, don't, don't yeah. do it. Right. You've yeah. got that voice because I've put so much time and effort into this. Mm-hmm. And I also make a joke cause I have the date tattooed on my wrist. Yeah. If I was to ever go back, I have to <laughs> cross it Ch- out, cross it out or chop my hand off to about <laughs> here. Right. Like I gotta, yeah. I can't put a cross through it and then, on the other side here, put another date, like yeah. a restart kind of thing. Like, oh. This is this is serious business yeah. now having this on my wrist. Yeah, this is tattooed on me now. Oh, exactly. Nice. And does it help like like six years, like that number, that length of time, does that help battle the temptation a little bit? Because 
you're you're proud of that that number you don't want that streak to end exactly yeah. yeah i would say that's a big thing as you get more and more into it for sure you get more and more invested and you want to get to that 10 year mark because right. that would be really cool and for me it's i don't look forward to my birthday mm-hmm. i look forward to december 29th yeah. because it's a day that comes that i'm extremely proud of yeah like this is another another year right at first i couldn't even make it a week and now i've made it six years this will be seven years yeah. I just I it's something that I am truly proud of and I don't think I don't think any of us do it enough where we just sit down and let ourselves be proud yeah it's okay to be proud and boast a little bit and be like this is a, a, an awesome accomplishment exactly. give yourself a pat on the back it's okay to do that right we're totally. always self-talking and beating ourselves down with different things it's yeah. it's okay to sit and say this is an incredible accomplishment and I'm really proud of it totally I've actually heard you say the opposite a couple of years ago where you said, I'm just really hard on myself. I don't know if I am proud of myself yet. So as you've gotten long, as you've gotten longer in your sobriety, is this something that you feel a little bit more now of is, is pride in yourself or getting, getting so far past that tough time in your life? Yeah. I think maybe at that time it was probably thinking back and those stories and what I did were still maybe a little bit fresher in my mind where now those are more in the rear view mirror. Mm -hmm. And I think just in general, I'm getting better at letting myself be proud about that. And just in general accomplishments, um, trying not to be as hard on myself. Yeah. Although I think I still am because even sitting here in the podcast and now we're, I don't know how far into it, but I'm thinking like, Oh my God, did I say something that I'm going (laughs) to, yeah regret or like that was so stupid this or that like it's so easy to get into your head right do you did you find it difficult when you did um, put down the drink your lifestyle had kind of shaped around this behavior Mm -hmm. did you have to change your your friendships your paths to work or different things like that in order to make this a little bit more easier for you yeah it was definitely changing friendships and a lot of the people that I was hanging out with regularly during that haven't really been around yeah so were were they really friends I think it was just we had that thing in common that we like partying and having fun that kind of thing yeah so definitely had to change that and yeah distance myself from social social situations where there was going to be a lot of booze around for the first I don't know how long it was but it was quite a while because it was just that temptation was there and I didn't want to test myself because it was too early on that I would cave in to the temptation where now I'm fine going to weddings and going to this and going to that and, and booze being, being around. Yeah. But the people that are closest to me, like my best friends and stuff, they, they don't care. They like me better now than. Oh, for sure. Oh yeah. Like I had a buddy who was becoming an RCMP officer and this was another thing that, that cut deep, but I totally understand it where he said that he was thinking about just having to cut ties because I was just being such an idiot. And that, and that hurts too. You don't want to lose a f- friend because of it yeah. as well, right? Yeah. So I think that that's another thing that I'm proud of that he sees me yeah. you know, in a different way now where he can be proud to call me a friend, whereas before he w- probably wouldn't have been. I think too, it makes me super proud of you because it's one thing to be going down this path, but for you to reach back and take control of your life again and like summon everything you have in order to do that. I think that's so powerful and it, it just shows you the resilience and 
that somebody can have in order for that to happen. So I think 1000% he would be so proud of you for that if he's, if he's seen you on both sides. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, for sure. So tell me about sharing your truth publicly because I know what that's like and it's scary, but it's also incredibly empowering. Very. What was that like and how did that change things for you? It was it was awesome. Did it with the Storytellers Club and I remember how I started the video too. Hey, I'm Mark. I'm an alcoholic. And I think that was the first time that I said it publicly. Yeah. Which even just the words coming out of your mouth, mm -hmm. same thing for you when you came out probably. It's like, oh my God, like I, I said it. Yeah, exactly. Right? You're like, oh, this is, it's, it's a weight lifted off your shoulders. Yeah. So to say it and then just talk about it, it was, it was great. And I think because people you don't know what's going on with another person, right? So I yeah. think to publicly talk about it, it I don't know, it's just people were like, oh, this that's what he was going through? Oh, it's interesting to hear him talk about it publicly. And then yeah. people reached out and talked about if they were going through something similar, if a friend was going through something similar, and then that's something that you can talk about and share tips on how it worked for me and what didn't work for me, yeah. like that thing again, right? Sure. So it was, it was, it was really cool to do it and I'm glad I did because now it's led me to this conversation as well to tell it even more and hopefully yeah. more people kind of hear it and hopefully they take a bit of this and it can help them. Yeah, it's it's like you shield that part of yourself because either you're ashamed of it or it doesn't feel real to you yet and you're always afraid that when you reveal that news, people are going to either like, like shame you or yeah. look down on you or something. But what you realize is that people like you more because of it, because you're sharing such a vulnerable part of yourself and people connect with that kind of messiness because it's super relatable. So messiness is a perfect life is messy, man. And yeah. you share that messiness and people are gonna, they appreciate that. They appreciate you just being honest and yep. having honest conversations. And even though still, like I said, like sometimes I still, I think it was because I didn't feel like it was real. And still to this day, is it, why is why why do I my story isn't as bad as so and so's? Yeah, but I got to stop telling myself that. And everyone has to. Where it's it's your own thing, and you're dealing with your own thing. And if it's not working for you, and you're hurting, then that's all that matters, right? Yeah. You shouldn't be ashamed and worried about what other people are thinking when you share it, because you're so many the people the support, right? And same with you. It's like the outpouring of support is just so it's it's great. Totally. Okay, we're gonna pause there really quickly. If you or a loved one is in a position where you need to check into a treatment facility or take some time to get better, there are options to manage things like mortgage payments and monthly bills in case you need to put your life on hold. I reached out to Terry Pitzel, who is the manager of financial services at our Fort Coppell branch, and I asked her, if I don't have access to my day-to-day -day banking for an extended period of time, what are some options that would be available to mitigate the risk to my financial well-being? This is what she had to say. You may experience an event in your life that makes it difficult or challenging to manage your day-to-day -day banking, such as extended travel or an unexpected illness. This can create stress, anxiety, and overall impact your financial well-being. It's important to have a plan in place to support you through such events. I would suggest setting up a power of attorney. This is a legal document that allows you to name someone to act on your behalf. This person can access your funds, pay your bills, and manage your investments. There are rules in place for what this person can and cannot do to ensure that they're acting in your best interest and not benefiting from your money. Another suggestion is the use of our online banking. 
If you have access to a computer or a cell phone where you can download the Connexus Credit Union app, you can access your banking anytime, anywhere. You can easily deposit a check, pay your bills, transfer money, and view your account balances. If you have a loan and you're unable to make a deposit to your account, you can take advantage of skip payments. This will allow you to defer up to two months of your payments, which will keep your loans up to date, protect your credit rating, and provide extra funds in your budget. As well, it's always a great idea to reach out to your financial advisor or our member contact center. We're here to help support you through these life events. Thanks, Terry. If you do need to leave for a couple months, there are ways to make sure you don't come back to financial stress. If you ever have any questions, please reach out to your financial advisor and they'd be happy to answer them for you. Now let's get back to our interview with Mark. So let's talk about reinvention. Um, in 2014, before you had even started your recovery journey, you had applied for radio school. So tell me about your journey into radio and what that's been like. So I, I don't even know how radio came about. I think when I was younger, I always wanted to be an actor, like in yeah. Hollywood, being an actor. I thought that would always be, yeah. always be cool. And then I settled for radio, I guess. But I yeah. don't know what it was. I think maybe it was a Facebook ad that popped up or something like that and saw Western Academy Broadcasting College, yeah. which is in Saskatoon. And... Uh, applied for it, g got in, and at that time I'd applied for a part-time gig at a at a um, radio station here in town on their street team, so just going to different events and representing the station. Yep. And then got into the school, and that was in 2014, then graduated early 2015 yep. when the relationship ended. So, you know, you're getting out of school, you're ready to find a job, and then that happens, and yep. just, you know, the timing isn't, isn't great. Yeah. But then ended up getting some on-air time here at the station that I was working at part-time, which is Big Dog, the country station, which is now Pure Country. Yep. And then just worked there for, for quite a while and then made the switch over to 92.1, which is Play 92 now. And I'm on the morning show there. And it literally has not felt like a day of work since I started. Yeah. Which I consider myself lucky because some people go to work and it feels like work. Yeah. For me, it's just I get to go in, talk have fun, goof off, and yeah. it's a pretty good gig. Do you think that next chapter in terms of your, your career helped you with that decision to get sober as well? Like you're going through a breakup around that same sort of time, and that's when you first started talking about changing your lifestyle. Yeah, I, I think it definitely did because there was a Christmas party we had at the, at the radio station at Big Dog, and I had a lot to drink and then ended up, going home, didn't remember how I got home, got mm. an Uber cab, whatever it was at the time home, and then woke up face down again on, on the, yeah. on the floor in the living room of, right. of the correct house though, <laughs> the and, correct yeah, house. of the correct house. And I remember waking up and it was like, I had to scramble to get to work. I'm still in my suit, this and that. And then you get to work and you know, you're on air. You need to be cheery and, yeah. and you know, energetic and that's that's your job and I I wasn't so I think that probably did play into it where I thought this is you can't have a career in this when you're doing that totally right so I think that did definitely play a factor into it and like I said earlier if I was still going down that path I wouldn't have the job that mm -hmm. that I do I probably wouldn't even still be in radio for sure were you nervous at all that your past or previous behaviors or your your personal brand would kind of seep in or carry over into this new chapter that you were starting? 
when I first shared that I that I was sober and that I was an alcoholic, I was at Harvard where I am right now, and there was no no, I wasn't concerned at all. They were extremely supportive. They had no problem with it, whatever. It's just because, like you said, it's just you being you being you. Yeah. Right. And I and I want to be me. And if if people don't like that, then so be it. Yeah. But I want to be who I am, and I'm so grateful that they allowed me to do that. Mm-hmm. Um. And yeah, I don't. I I think that people appreciate it more than just trying to be fake and put on this like. Yeah. facade right yeah you see the human side of you so like when you're tuning into the morning to listen to mark johnson you you have a fuller picture of who that person is and you can connect with them like it's not just like this character that's coming through the airwaves and that's not what i want to be on the air i don't want to be a character i'm real i'm i'll talk about that once in a while not all the time but we'll talk about it once in a while yep. i screw up on the radio and we make fun of it yeah. On Fridays, we call it the weekly whoopsies. We're real because we're going to screw up on the radio. We're yeah. not some Ronnie radio voice yeah. that's, you know, it's <laughs> this, it's how my voice is right now is just talking and that's how we are. That's how I am on the radio. Ronnie radio. Ronnie yeah, radio. Yeah. Coming to you live from downtown Regina. Yeah. It's like, no, that's not what, that's not what I, radio's real. Just like yeah. the podcast. It's a real conversation. Oh, that's awesome. Um, you mentioned your loved ones. How have your relationships with your loved ones changed since you've gotten sober? They've, I just would say we've gotten closer and like with my dad thinking that I stole his watches, Mm -hmm. he wouldn't, if something like that happened, he wouldn't think that I stole his watches now. Right. Like there's that trust there where he wouldn't think that. And, uh, yeah, like my dad and I just buds now and, you know, hang out, go for lunch, this and that. And, my mom and I are close, my sister, the relationship with Casey, even though we weren't together at all when I was still using. Yeah. Uh, she wouldn't have wanted to have been close to me or <laughs> yeah. been with me if that is the case. Yeah. But just such a great, honest, open relationship as well. And mm-hmm. um, yeah. Awesome. I'll have a little bit of a surprise for you. Oh. So you're talking about your relationship with your loved ones and you mentioned your mom. So I'm just going to play something for you. Hey, Mark, it's your mom. I'm here to tell you how proud I am of you and how your journey to sobriety has been so rewarding to watch. Your journey started at the age of 25, and this is probably one of the things I'm most proud of, a young man acknowledging and changing his life at such a young age. The change and growth I've seen in the last several years makes my heart so happy. The endless volunteer work you do is incredible. Being sober has made you that person, that caring funny, considerate man you are. I know you are inspiring to others who are struggling with addiction, and I love how you are opening up about it. Remember that fortune teller I went to many years ago? She knew nothing about me or that I had kids, but she told me I had a son and that you were lost. But the end, she did say, he will be fine and he is going to make it big. I already think you made it big by the great choice you made December 29th. I couldn't be more proud of you. Love you, bud. <laughs> your go- was your goal to get me to cry on the <laughs> What Connects Us podcast? I mean, yeah. How's that feel? That feels good. I've I've never heard her say all that stuff, so yeah. that's... That yeah, feels good. Yeah. I appreciate you 
I don't know how he got a hold of her. I'm guessing <laughs> through Casey, but I I appreciate that a lot. Yeah. <clears throat> I appreciate you doing that. That was uh that was special. Yeah. She's supposed to be soaking up the sun down in Mexico and she's <laughs> inside on the phone leaving yeah. a message. That's uh that's really cool. She's soaking up some pride for herself. Yeah. That's what's happening right now. Um so having said that, uh, we've talked about this pride in in ourselves and our battle scars. So knowing that you have the pride of your mom and your family and, and Casey and community and me, do you fully feel like that pride in yourself? And, and what, what when you think about your journey, what do you reflect back on? I still think I have a little bit of work to do by feeling that pride and really taking it in. I think um, hearing, you know, what my mom said and hearing just what you said, I think that that helps. Um, but reflecting back, I, I would say that, you know, that person at 25 from, you know, 15 to 25 was, was lost, like my mom said, right? And um, to be able to now not be lost and really truly feel like this is who I am and this is what I'm supposed to be and, um you know, to be able to have many great friends and, and to be able to support different charities here here in town and to be able to work a great job and this and that is just come a long way in six years. A lot of things can happen in six years, and I look forward to, you know, hitting that milestone of 10 years and yeah. then 15 and 20 and keep that going. For sure. Do you find that as you go, your view on sobriety changes a little bit? Yeah, I I would say... I would say that it it definitely has changed a lot. O- off the start, it didn't so much feel like a lifestyle. It was just like this choice that that I made and I wanted to get sober. Now it's just, it's my lifestyle and it's how people know me, right? And I yeah. go out and um, I'm not immediately like, hey, can I have a bow or a yeah. Ryan Coke? It's, hey, can I get a soda water and a lime wedge? And <laughs> um, I'm still able to have fun. In fact, I would say I have more fun now and I've yeah. shared this story quite a few times before but I was at a friend's wedding and I love getting up on the dance floor right and yeah. dancing and um at this wedding I took my shirt off and <laughs> swinging my shirt around you got to do that at weddings yeah. right and the bride was kind of standing off to the side and I guess a person there turned to her and said this guy is super wasted yeah. and she said uh no he hasn't had one single <laughs> yeah. drink <laughs> yeah but it's just like that I just it's it's so much fun and yeah uh, even to people are always concerned, like, oh, I don't want to drink around here. I'm like, no, do it because then I can see that you're going to be hung over and <laughs> yeah. not feel good and spending a bunch of money. And yeah. it reminds me why I don't do and it. And I'm running a marathon yeah. tomorrow and I'm going to invest know. in my mortgage. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about marathon, <laughs> yeah. but I'm waking up early and feeling yeah. good. Yeah. I like the parody between your, when you're talking about like, you had no idea what your friends were saying about you and all that sort of stuff. So like 10 years ago, if somebody's like, look at that guy, he's wasted. They're like rolling their eyes and saying like, yep, that's yeah. Mark. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, no, he's not like, aren't you like, isn't this fun? Like it's, it's cool to see that kind of change in your story just because that's you, exactly yeah. what they would have done. You're right. Yeah. Rolled their eyes and been like, yeah, yeah that's now Mark. they're like, Oh yeah, that's yeah. Mark. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's our Mark. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. And that makes it, yeah, that makes me feel good that, that friends can, can do that right it's not yeah. like a shame thing of oh yeah it's like oh, yeah. that's that's our buddy mark exactly so last question before we jump into some speed round questions Ooh. reflecting back what have you learned about yourself throughout this journey um oh man what have i learned about myself well i've learned that 
you know, you put your mind to something and you want to make a change in your life, you can make a change in your life um, for the better, right? You just have to be willing to do the work and put the time in and, and, and really commit to it. And I'm glad that I did commit to it six years ago and I'm going to continue to, to commit to it and, and do it. So I would say that um, resiliency, um, you know, strong will, I would say. Yeah, I would say that. Yeah. All parts of you. Like we gotta work on your pride. Yeah, not, yeah. Not extra part, like saying I am proud. I okay, am resilient. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I am proud. I'm resilient. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna jump into some speed run questions. These are a little bit lighter. These are things that uh, different ways that we can connect with you. Okay. Um, in different ways. So, question number one: Who's your celebrity doppelganger? Macklemore. Really? Uh, that's what I've been. Of. That's what I've been told. My Twitter bio says Macklemore's long lost twin. <laughs> Uh, That's what I've been told. You know who I think it is? I was watching the Olympics. You look like Sean White. Sean White. I've yeah. heard that before too. Yeah. I've, I have, for some reason, have so many doppelgangers. Yeah. I don't know why. The well, guys. Um, Carrot Top. Uh, <laughs> this interview's over. Take <laughs> your headphones off. No, not Carrot Top. Yeah. Uh, who's the. The guy that plays, um, what's that TV show? The Mentalist? I've been told I oh, look like yes, that Simon guy. Oh, Simon Baker? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, totally. I have so many doppelgangers. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I apologize for the carrot top yeah, comment. Yeah. No. Um, Edit that out, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, next question. Um, so we've heard of side sleeping. We've heard of stomach sleeping. Um, I've heard, I can't corroborate this. You're already disgusted. I can hear it in your voice. Sell me on the coffin sleep technique. See, now here's the thing. It's not, then that isn't a speed round question. This is, this is, I don't sleep. I just like to be, I don't have my arms crossed like in a coffin. Yeah. They're kind of. That's not what Casey near. said. Well, <laughs> they're, they're by your neck. They're by my neck. Yeah. I don't, it's. It's comfy. Yeah. I mean, that's how you're going to sleep for eternity. Why not? <laughs> Just why, practicing. Why not practice? <laughs> and obviously, if they're going to put you like that for eternity, it's got to be comfy. That's yeah. why I do it. Yeah. For anybody listening, I, I got some dirt on Mark yeah. prior to from, from his girlfriend, Casey. And she said, you have to ask him why he sleeps on his back with his hands crossed like he's in a coffin. Well, should we talk about the way she sleeps? Or I mean, sure. His mouth open. Just, uh, <laughs> like. That's me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's a little bit more relatable. I picture like the Adams family like sleeping in their coffins and like you could be part of that if you if you continue with this it's, method. It's comfy. <laughs> I'll have to try it. I'll try it. I'll let you know how it yeah, goes. Yeah. Um most embarrassing moment on the air. Ooh. Ah. Uh, I tried to say Saskatchewan rush lacrosse team one time. <laughs> and I think it took me ten seconds to finally spit it out correctly yeah. that one was and especially because that was early on in my career and yep. at that time i was just terrified to make any mistake and yep. then i did that drink of choice on an airplane <laughs> tomato juice no oh yeah no oh yeah are you you're one of those people the hey? best it's the best uh, what do you get ginger well, ale no i get like a sprite or an apple juice if i'm feeling saucy okay. but like I would say my irrational fear in life is tomato juice or clamato juice. I hate it. Really? It's the, I'm picking up my water bottle here. Like, you know, when it just kind of froths around and then on the sides, it just kind oh, of drips yeah. down and people on airplanes always get tomato juice. Yeah. I don't know. It, 
I think it's... Who hurt you? No, no. <laughs> I think it's scientifically proven that it tastes better at 33,000 feet. Is that a fact? Well, you might want to check it, okay. but I don't yeah. know. You Try it when you're up there. You might enjoy it. I'm not it. going to. I've never had it before, but like I've always end up sitting beside that person on the airplane who like reaches across from <laughs> me and it's slow motion like froths and like I'm holding my book and I could just see like a drip down on one of my pages or something. See, I, I, I don't like it. You haven't <laughs> even tried it though, you just said. I just can't even look at it. It's like my irrational thing. You know, like when you watch like Maury Povich and somebody's afraid of like tinfoil or something. That would be me, like running to the back. <laughs> Somebody's bringing With on a, a jar of, of V8. <laughs> yeah, and Mason's yeah. running to the back. All right, noted. That's Can you a, imagine? That's going to be your birthday gift. This is how you're going to get back at me for asking you about coffin sleeping. No, it's yeah. carrot top. I don't care about the coffin yeah. sleeping. It's the carrot top comment yeah. that I'm going to pay you back for. <laughs> Next time you cat sit for me, I'm going to come home and there's going to be a like four stacks of V8 and Clamato. Oh yeah, I'll go to Costco me. and get the get the <laughs> big big pack. Get of the it. bulk size. Yeah. A tip you've learned about money. You know, it's a good one, and I don't do it, but I should have done it when I was bartending. A buddy of mine who bartended, I don't know if this is a tip about money, but it's cool. Sure. And no one uses cash anymore, anymore, so this doesn't work. But when he bartended, he would never spend a $5 bill. So any time that he got a $5 bill, he would put it into his sock drawer. Cool. And he ended up saving, I don't know what it was, but it was a massive number because he wouldn't spend the $5 bill. So... If you still have cash <laughs> and, a sock drawer. Per- and a sock drawer, <laughs> that one person listening that still carries cash, yeah. save those $5 bills. Yeah. And then, yeah, I swear it was like five dollars to $10,000. Wow. That. Yeah. He could have saved even more if he would have put it in a financial institution instead of a sock drawer. <laughs> Make some interest. Oh, is, this, is this the end of the podcast? Here at Connexus, we can help you. <laughs> these are our these are our banking options. <laughs> awesome. That's a great one. Um I asked Casey this when she was on the podcast. Biggest difference between you and Casey. Biggest difference. Actually, let's make this like the newlywed game. Okay. What do you think Casey said was the biggest difference between you and I listened to the podcast and I don't remember that question. Yeah. She is, she is clean, but not tidy. Okay. And I'm tidy and not clean. (laughs) Sounds like an LSAT question. What does that mean? So she, if... She'll leave stuff everywhere, stuff on the counter, like just okay. kind of, yeah, stuff everywhere where I don't, I, I'm very particular yeah. where, and then she's like, oh, there's dust on the baseboard. We got to oh. do that. And I'm like, what? I, I don't even notice the dust on the baseboard. Yeah. What did she say? Do you remember? Um, she said that you were an extrovert, like oh, to yeah. the core yeah. and she is like a mix, but really like recharges by herself. Yeah, yeah. She definitely. Yeah. When we go to those events that I was talking about, like she, I would say I love it way more yeah. than, than she does. Yeah. For sure. Totally. A song that you you can't stand, but you have to play on the radio. Oh, anything Bare Naked Ladies. Oh, I totally agree. Oh, my God. They're, I'm not denying that they're talented, yeah. but their songs, get rid of them. <laughs> we also play uh, a Jan Arden song, Insensitive, Junk. Oh, okay. Jane Child, Don't Want to Fall in Love, I think it's called, Junk. So anything Canadian, you're just not having. Because you have to play it over and over, right? Yeah, we have to play a certain amount of Canadian content, yeah. So that's why you play (laughs) play songs like that. No, Bieber would be better than... Celine Dion, that's what you play instead? That would be good. But no, we play, yeah, Bare Naked Ladies would be my top answer. I spent a summer working, um, like, unpacking computers at the Prairie Valley School Division. And 
the, I listened to Z99 the entire time and no shade to Z99, but the bare naked ladies were on probably every third song. And well, we can throw shade at them. Sure. <laughs> You'd like that one yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the the monologue in If I Had a Million Dollars, oh, yeah. I can't stand the, the expensive mustard component. Like there's people listening to this that just turned off the podcast because they are truthers of the bare naked ladies. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Die hard. Yeah. Die but hard. They need to update that song. A million dollars doesn't get you far anymore. No, inflation. It? Yeah. Uh, it's gotta be ten one, million. One point two million dollars. One point two million dollars. Last question. What connects us? I'm sure this has been said a bunch of times. Sharing our stories. Has that been said a bunch of times? Uh no, I kind of, but tell me why. Well, because then you get a look inside of what a person is going through and you can relate to things they talk about. Um, and you just, you get to see the human side of them. Right? Yeah. We, we, sh- we shared today and you get to see the human side of both of us. And it's just, you get to have these like deep, meaningful conversations and, you know, connections like yeah. we have had today. Yeah. Um, so I think that, yeah, if that's what connects us. And, and if you're, scared to share your story don't be your start small and work your way up yeah. to share with more and more people right yeah. because everyone's story is different and interesting if you don't think it is you're wrong right. uh, you, your story is just as interesting as everyone else's yeah. i couldn't agree more when it comes to just share the messiness and start small N- nobody connects with perfect i love that yeah. messiness life is messy man yeah, just yeah. share it right yeah. well thank you for sharing your messiness with us mark like what great perspective and i i admire you so much for how you've just recognized the path you were on and having the strength to to jump on a different course that is lots of people would be scared to to take down those steps so i'm really proud of you and thank you so much for for sharing your story here today i appreciate that proud of you yeah glad to call your friend and uh yeah don't call me care top <laughs> ever again <laughs> right on Well, that's it for our chat with Mark and for this episode of the What Connects Us podcast. We'll be back in two weeks with a new episode, but until then, if you like the podcast and want to support it, please do us a favor and hit that subscribe or follow button, leave a review of the podcast, and share the podcast with a friend or on social media. We'll see you in two weeks. Let's connect then.